0: Let's open together the Word of God to the book of Mark. We'll be continuing in Mark. We're on Mark chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, you should see a blue one in the pew back in front of you. Uh, We would love for you to open that one up with us. Um, The Word of God is incredibly precious to us. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If you need faith, read your Bible Sit under the preaching and teaching of your Bible. If you want to grow in your faith, Christian, read your Bible. Sit under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. The Word of God is how we grow. The Word of God is how we learn about God. That is how God has designed us to grow as believers. If you don't have a Bible, take that blue one home with you. We love giving those away. We've got a stack of them back there in the office. We want to replace them. Take that blue one home. If you know someone who needs a Bible, take that blue one home with you as well. Mark, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. Mark is towards the back of the Bible. Second book of what's called the New Testament, where Jesus is born in in the beginning, and we we see and learn about who He is in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 4, be big number 4, and in a moment we'll start big number 4, little number 21. Seems like we're all just about there. Okay, last week we talked about The Word of God is like a seed being sown by a farmer. The Word of God, the good news of Jesus Christ that He has come. He is the righteous one of God and He has come to pay the penalty for our sins. That's the good news of Jesus. And so as we share that, it's like we are casting that seed. We are planting that seed in the soil And last week, Jesus said, what's important there for us is to ask ourselves, what's the condition of the soil of our hearts? When we hear the good news about Jesus, do the desires of the world and our desire for sin, do those things squeeze that seed so that we won't hear the good news of Jesus? Or do we have prepared hearts that God has opened so that we may hear the good news about the kingdom of God? That's how Jesus phrases it. About the kingdom of God. Now the kingdom of God was Jesus' favorite topic. He talked about the kingdom of God all the time. Kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. What is he talking about? It must be important if Jesus talks about it more than anything else. That must be really important. What is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is when Jesus reigns, R-E-I-G-N-S, not R-A-I-N, not from the sky, when Jesus reigns in the hearts of men and women like a king that's what the kingdom of god is the kingdom of god is when jesus sits on the throne of your heart that's what the kingdom of god is and that's real power isn't it that's real power that's way more power than simply reigning over geography That's way more power than President Trump has. That's way more power than any king or queen the world has ever known. That's way more powerful to be on the throne of somebody's heart. Dictators, presidents, kings and queens have all tried to reign just not over our bodies, but they've tried to reign over our hearts and none of them have succeeded but that's why Jesus came Jesus came to reign in the hearts of men and women who have repented of their sins and believe the good news so salvation then salvation then can be said to be a person who has given the throne of their heart to Jesus Christ. Given the throne of our heart and given all our desires, our preferences, our sins, our weaknesses, and our brokenness, we've given all of that to Jesus. And He sits on our throne. That's the kingdom of God. And my friend, that is the most valuable thing in the universe. To have Jesus reign in your heart like a king. There's nothing more valuable than that. This king who wants to reign in your heart and reign in my heart, this king is a king who is all-powerful. No one can stop anything he wants to do. This king is all wise. This king is all wise. He knows the right thing to do in every single situation. Who needs some of that? Yeah, he's all wise. This king knows everything. He is all loving. And here's the best part. When he comes to reign in our hearts, he makes it his job to get me what is very best for my life for eternity. Now don't get me wrong. Sometimes what's best for me is not always fun. Sometimes what's best for me is not always a full bank account. Are you with me? But he has made it his job for believers, for those who have repented and believed, for those who are Christians, for those on whom... And in their hearts, he reigns. For those people, he has made it his job to bring them as much eternal good as is possible. There's nothing more valuable than that. So, Mark chapter 4, we're going to ask the question what does this reign, what does Jesus' kingship look like? So, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to read Mark, big number 4, little number 21. And we're going to go to little number 34. And then we're going to discover four things. If we have time, we're going to discover four things that characterize Jesus reigning in our hearts. I'll read out loud. You follow along with me, please, in your Bible. Big number four, little number 21 goes like this. And he, Jesus, said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? and not on a stand? Well, No, Jesus, no. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, except to be exposed, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, if the soil of anyone's heart is prepared, let him hear this. Verse 24, And He said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure, we'll talk about what that means, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, and Jesus said, the kingdom of God, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and it grows, and the farmer, he, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said... With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown in the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, He spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to His own disciples, He explained everything. Okay, what does Jesus being king over my heart look like? Jesus', number one, Jesus' kingship in my heart is like the only light in a dark house. It's the only way I can make sense of the world. Jesus' kingship is like the only light in a house. It's the only way I can make sense of the world. Now, I lived this out a few days ago. In the middle of the night, needing to get up, having a very pregnant wife, sneaking around in the dark, trying to make my way to the bathroom, and guess what I forgot? The door was closed. Have you ever been there? Being so sweet, wanting to be so quiet, boom, wake up the whole house. Right? Why do I even try to be sweet? You know that feeling. Especially if you have kids, right? Trying to be quiet, and then you step on a Lego, right? Or some doll somewhere, You know what that's like. You know what it's like to try to navigate your home when it's pitch black. Can you do it? Uh, Probably not. In the same way, when Jesus reigns in our heart, He exposes the world for how it really is. He shows us what the world is really like. He shows us what we are really like. He sheds light on all these things. So, Jesus is sharing this He's sharing this parable about himself. He says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or a bed and not a stand? The lamp is Jesus here. The lamp is Jesus. The literal Greek translation. okay, What it literally says in the original language is, does the lamp come in? Does the lamp come in? The lamp. There's only one. Jesus. And does the lamp come in? Does the lamp get legs and walk? No, the lamp doesn't. It's Jesus. Jesus has come in. He is a light in a dark house. So last week, okay, if you weren't with us last week, we talked about the soil of our hearts and how they must be prepared. And then Jesus says this. He he mentions this prophecy about himself in Isaiah. He says, they may indeed see the good news, but not perceive, and may indeed hear the good news, the Word of God, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now we learned last week that this means we can so harden our hearts, the soil of our heart can be so packed in that we cannot hear the good news about Jesus Christ a scary place and so one of the questions might be well if that's true then maybe this is a secret thing maybe the good news about jesus is a secret to just be for people who've got it all figured out what does jesus say to that no the good news about me is like a lamp in a dark place it is to shine to everybody now some people might not want to see that light but it is still shining. Some people might harden their hearts so much that they, will, they refuse to see it, but Jesus shines the light. A lamp is meant to be put on a stand and not to be covered by a basket. In the same way, it should not be thought that the truth about Jesus is hidden knowledge reserved for only certain people. Jesus comes in and shines on everybody. He wants to shine on everybody. And then he says, nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. So this light of Jesus is there and it it's shining to everybody, but it's going to get brighter the more, we, the more he reveals himself, the brighter he is going to be. We see this. The crowd that's following Jesus sees his light. I mean, my goodness, he's doing miracles among them. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's showing himself to be king over disease and king over the the even demonic forces obey him. We see that. We see that. We hear the word. We're seeing that. That's only so bright. And we will see Jesus brighter when He dies on the cross. We'll see, oh, look at Jesus' love for us. We'll see Him brighter. And we'll see Him even brighter still when He rises from the dead. This light in our home will get brighter and brighter and brighter. And finally, one day, He will return to earth in His glory to judge mankind and bring the people of God with Him forever. And we'll see Him brighter still. point is this. Jesus is King. His kingship brings light to the world. But the crowd sees Him in relative obscurity. They, the light is clothed, clothed like a man. He, the light is clothed like a man from Nazareth. And the point is this. But don't be fooled. Don't you be fooled. Jesus will soon exchange His peasant clothes for a king's robe. So give Him the throne of your heart now. That's the point. That's the point. And then the implication of that is what? The song grandma taught you when you were growing up, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know that one? Grandma was right. Okay? When she taught you that, grandma was right. If Jesus is the king of our heart and he shines brightly so that we may see the world as it really is, what do you think we will be doing? Don't hide that under a bushel. We would to let it shine. Second thing. Second thing Mark tells us about the kingship of Jesus. This is an important one. Very important one. Second thing is this. Through the Word, we are invited to have Jesus reign in our hearts. And my friends, our response to that invitation will be judged. And will be rewarded, or it will be condemned. We are all invited to put Jesus on the throne of our hearts, and our response to that invitation will be judged by Jesus and either be rewarded or condemned. And he said to them, verse 24 pay attention to what you hear. It's like Jesus is begging them, pay attention. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. The Word of God is Jesus' declaration. This whole thing, from beginning to end, is the declaration that Jesus is King, and it's an invitation for you and for me to make him King of our heart. Jesus says, So pay attention. To what you hear. Jesus is telling the crowd, pay attention when I heal sick people. Pay attention when I cast out demons. Pay attention to the words that I am saying. Pay attention to what you are hearing. And He's saying, I believe, to us today, pay attention to what you are hearing. And He says, the measure you use when you buy and sell things in Israel When you buy and sell produce, you take a basket uh, called a measure. And you're selling me some some grain and I'll put grain in there and then I'll measure that out and then I will decide, I will judge for myself if I want to pay you for for that grain. That's a measure. So Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, with the way you measure the word you are hearing, You will be judged. So pay attention. He says, when the word is preached, gather it. When the word is preached, when the truth about Jesus is being shared, gather it. See what's going on there, take it, judge it, and apply it to your life. And he says, with the way you have measured in that way, you will be judged. You'll be judged. Are you gathering the word today? So th- the point is this. The point is this. When you show up to places like this, or, or when you read your Bible at home, are you approaching it with your basket, and are you gathering that up? Is that precious to you? Or are you saying, well, pff, I, I'm, just, I'm just here. I'm just here. I'm here because my wife drags me here. I'm here because my mom and dad drag me here. I'm here because I think if I don't go to church, God will strike me down. So I'm just going to come, do what i got to do, and get out. Is that our attitude? That's not measuring the word. Are we measuring the word like this? I see what the Bible says. I see what the Bible says about greed or about sex or about loving my wife or about raising, I, I, or about raising my children. I see what the Bible says about all these things. But no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to buy that. I'm not going to buy that. If we gather much... If we take it seriously, if we believe that the Word of God is like food to us, keeping us us spiritually healthy, if we believe that and we gather much, Jesus says you will be rewarded. Who gathers much, more will even be added to you. There are temporal benefits, there's benefits now to you gathering much of the Word of God, judging it and applying it to your life. There's very much that can be taken from that. When we obey the Word of God, we avoid the consequences of sin. Are you with me? If I obey the Word of God, I'm being tempted in this direction here. And I obey the Word of God, I can avoid the consequences of that sin. Isn't that good news? Can anyone think of a time where you chose to ignore the Word of God and you paid for it big time? Anybody? Just me? My only sinner in here? Doggone it, I knew it. Thank you. Thank you. I know that guy. Let me say amen to that. Are you with me? When we obey the Word of God, when we gather the Word of God, we can avoid those consequences. When we obey the Word of God, a benefit of that is is meaningful and safe and edifying relationships. When we obey the Word of God, we find our relationships are deeper. Husbands and wives. This is the one that always comes up. This is the one that I lose sleep over. Are you ready? Ephesians says it this way. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave Himself up For her. Husbands, you understand what that's saying? For Jesus to be king of our lives, for us to be obedient to that, I need to love my wife like Jesus loves me. How does he love me? He dies on a cross for me. Wives, if your husband is committed to that, do you feel safe? gathering that word and as hard as it is for a sinner like me to be as committed as I can be through the work of the Holy Spirit and the power of God to that truth of the word gathering that and trying to apply it to my life makes my home a better place to live it's hard gather the word gather the word if you gather much, much will be given even more than what you have gathered. And of course, the eternal benefit of gathering the Word, judging it, and applying it to our life, the eternal benefit of that is, of course, that we will enjoy God forever. Because the Word is not... A, the, the main thrust of the Word of God is is that Jesus is the Messiah who has come to save His people from their sins. Take that, apply it to your life, and be saved. But if you gather little, if you leave the basket rotting in your closet, if you don't weigh it sincerely, maybe you're here and you're just kind of paying attention to everything else, not really worrying about it, just wanting to get out and get done. If you don't judge it sincerely, if you cast the Word off as unimportant, Jesus says, even what little you have will be taken from you. A life pursuing things that only bring fake and temporary happiness. That's what we're talking about. A life that doesn't gather the Word is a life... Of ultimate emptiness. Ultimately will lead to emptiness. This is a life that doesn't gather the precious words of God and apply it. This is a life that's always, always in danger of bitterness, hate, sin, and the devastating consequences of sin. We're teetering. You ever get to that place? Even believers, right? You get that place where you're far from God and and you're 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 in a sinful state and you're you're not reading, you're not coming to church, you're not applying the word. You ever been there? I've been there. And you just feel that you're teetering on the edge where it's like, man, at any moment, any little breeze can just blow me over into bitterness and and hatred. I could feel that. And ultimately, gathering little not taking the Word of God seriously, not hearing the Word, not applying it to our life, leads to an eternity separated from God outside of the kingdom of Jesus. So, if you are not gathering much, if you are not carefully inspecting and applying the Word, Jesus says, You will not get more. You will not get more. One of the things as a pastor breaks my heart most is that I will be talking to people or discipling them or studying the Bible with them. And I'll be talking to people who profess Christ, but they're never never at church. They never study the Word. They're not praying. And then they complain that they're not progressing in their faith. I have that conversation often. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. If we are not gathering the Word, inspecting it, really taking it in, and then applying the main and plain things to my life, Jesus says, why should we expect God to give us deeper understanding brothers and sisters God wants to be in your life he wants to bless your life he wants to be close to you and near you he wants to help you dive deep into the things of God but if we are not doing the 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 easy things the plain things study my word gather with believers love one another if we're not doing that why should we expect to find the deep things of God? Are you with me? So gather. Here's a way we can gather. Come to church. Sit under the preaching and teaching of the Word. Come to one of our small groups. In your bulletin, we've got times for all our small groups. Call the church office. We could get you plugged into one. Sit under the teaching of the Word of God. Have a family Bible study. That will not only get the Word into your home, it will teach you a lot of patience. Try to get a two-year-old to sit still for five minutes. That's hard. That's really, for church people, that's sanctifying work, right? But Do that. Get that in your home. The church is a gift in so many ways to us. And it is a gift to us to give us the best chance to gather the Word. And then as we gather it, inspect it. Everything that I say up here, you must inspect. Don't believe it just because I say it. Are you with me? I'm not smart enough, holy enough for you to do that. Inspect it. Just like you would inspect What's in your basket? Inspect it. And then apply it to your life. Do what it says. We're not going to be perfect at this. No one's, we're not be, no one's saying that you do it and then you better do it for the rest of your life and if you mess up, then God has cast you off. That's not how it works. Apply it to your life. Apply it to your life. We're going to end end with this point. Jesus being King in our hearts is like this. No matter how small Jesus' reign begins, it will always end in immense glory. Jesus says it this way, Verse 30, will you read it again with me? Verse 30, and he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown in the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. No matter how, The point is, no matter how small Jesus' reign begins, it will always end in immense glory. Mustard seed was the proverbial smallest seed. It wasn't the smallest seed even in Israel, but Jesus is saying we use the mustard seed as an example for the smallest thing, the teeniest, tiniest bit. The smallest, smallest thing. And it's a, good, it's a good illustration because that teeny tiny seed, you plant it in and then it grows quickly and it goes crazy and goes everywhere. So it's one of those annoying seeds that might get in your garden and then you can't get rid of it. That's why it's a good illustration. That's why they used it a lot in Israel as an example for something small becoming so big and that is the kingdom of God. It's amazing. Something so small can become so big. It's amazing. And that is like the kingdom of God. When Jesus reigns in your heart, it will start small. You're not going to be Billy Graham right away. Those sins that you struggled with, more than likely you will still be struggling Is that good news to anyone else? Jesus saves sinners, right? Jesus' reign starts small. But He will grow, my friends, He will grow His kingdom in your heart. So don't lose hope. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It begins in your heart. And Jesus will grow it. You may feel really behind. At 34 years old, I imagined I'd be way more sanctified than I am now. Church language four, I thought I would, Jesus would have gotten me way better than I am right now. I don't know how I feel about that one. The brother's right. All right what can we say? Looking for a perfect preacher, you better go somewhere else. What are you laughing at? He's only telling the truth. Are you with me though? Why can we have hope when we are still sinful? Because we know the kingdom of God it starts like a mustard seed and it grows. And we know and we believe and we've been told by Jesus in this passage and other passages that His kingship over your heart might begin small, but it will end in massive glory for Jesus. Jesus establishing His kingdom in every area of my life is taking time. It takes time. So, brothers and sisters, cut each other some slack. Right? Give one another space to grow. We are not where we will be in five years, that is true, but we were not where we were five years ago. Give the seed time to grow. Now, that doesn't mean if someone is heading down a sinful path that leads to destruction that you shouldn't tell them and call them to repentance. That doesn't mean that, but it means we approach that with love, that we don't look at somebody and go, I can't believe they're making that decision. I can't believe they're, they're acting like that. That bitterness, we've got to give each other room to grow. We've got to give each other patience and charity and grace. That's what Jesus gives me every day. So, Jesus, in front of this crowd, he's telling this parable to. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It starts small and then it grows humongous. That's the kingdom of God. He's telling this to a group in the crowd that look at Jesus, and Jesus claims to be God, claims to be king. He's doing all these things. You know, what they say, You claim to be king, Jesus? You don't look like a king, you're a humble guy. You're a humble man from a small town in a pathetic county, in a pathetic country, least among people of all the nations. Jesus, you're a mustard seed. In fact, in a prophecy about Jesus, boy, I get in trouble every time I I read this. This is in the Bible. In a prophecy about Jesus, we know how meek and mild and humble He was. Isaiah 53, 2-3 says it this way. Jesus grew up before God, talking about plants how cool is this like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground so much there i wish we could just sit there forever we got turkeys we got turkeys coming though he had no jesus had no stately form or majesty to attract us no beauty that we should desire him Brothers and sisters, Jesus was ugly. And He was humble. And if He was in a crowd and you were asked to pick out the King of kings, you would not choose Him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Like one whom men hide their faces, He was despised and we esteemed Him not. That is a mustard seed. That's a mustard seed of a man. He is a king who doesn't have an army. Mustard seed. He is a king who doesn't have a palace. Mustard seed. He's a king who's walking around in this crowd who doesn't have a nation. He's a king that won't have a crown, but will have a crown of thorns He is a king who won't have a throne but he will be judged to death by an earthly throne. He is a king who won't be obeyed but he will be betrayed. That is a mustard seed. He is a king who won't live like a king but he will die like a criminal. That is a mustard seed. Isaiah 53 he says it this way he was oppressed and afflicted yet he did not even open his mouth. That's a mustard seed. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as sheep before her shearers are silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. For he was cut off from the land of the living. That's a mustard seed. He was stricken for the transgressions. He was stricken and killed for the sins of my people. That's a mustard seed. Jesus died on the cross a mustard seed of a man the seed of the kingdom of God died on the cross but he was planted in the grave and in three days Jesus this humble seed in three days the seed of the kingdom rose again from the dead Conquering sin and death and hell for all who repent and believe. And he became the tree in which we, like birds, can find shelter for eternity. Though he started meek and small, Jesus rose to reveal his glory like a mustard seed growing into this huge plant. And for us, the question for us is, Jesus has gone to the Father, but He is coming back. And He's not coming back as the mustard seed. He's not coming back as the Lamb. He's coming back to reveal the King that He has always been. Are you ready? We make Jesus the King of our heart now. So that we can be in his kingdom forever. Is he the king of your heart? Don't play games. Don't play games. Have you gathered the word of God? Or are you casting your basket off because you think it doesn't matter? Is your heart hard? from the things you have done or the ideas you have or the way you treat people, the way you've been treated, has your heart become hard that he is not the king of your heart? Jesus has gone to the Father, but he will be returning, not as the meek and mild king, but as the king with an army and a sword to judge the world. Jesus says this in His own words in Matthew 25, 31. says it like this. Jesus says, When the Son of Man, when I come in My glory and all My angels are with Me, I will sit on My glorious throne. The people, here it is, the people of every nation will be gathered in front of Him. You will be there. You will be there before this King And Jesus, He says, He will separate them as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right, but the goats on His left. And the sheep will enter into His kingdom forever. And the goats will enter into hell outside the kingdom of God forever. You will be there. God is giving you the opportunity to see Jesus for the light that He is, to make Him the King of your heart. Is Jesus King of your heart? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Is Jesus the King of your heart? Maybe you're here today and you go, no, He's not the King of my heart. And maybe my prayer is that over the time we spent together in the Word of God, that, that God has loosened the soil of your heart. We pray that over the time we spent together that you have seen the light of Jesus in a dark place. Maybe you're saying no today and today you must decide to make Jesus the King of your life. We call you. We love you. We don't even know you, but we love you. We believe God loves you. We call you to repent and believe like we have. Join us as the people of God. Maybe you're here today, you answer that question, yes, Jesus is my King, but I am struggling. If that's you and Jesus is your King and you're struggling, let me give you hope. Rest in the grace of God. Our King is not a brutal and mean-spirited King. He's a King of mercy and grace. But we will ask you, if you're struggling like we all struggle, what in your heart do you need to give to your King Jesus? Maybe you're here today and you're not struggling. You're in a good place with God. If you've answered yes to this question at all, let me ask you Are you sharing the news of your King? That's why you are here. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing together. We're going to ask you again to make decisions. Today, make a decision to put Jesus on the throne of your heart. Today, Christian, make a decision to give everything in your heart under the control of your king. And Christian, make a decision today that you're going to live your life following your king, sharing the good news that your king saves sinners.